Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show. It's me, Chase, and you guys know this show. This is where I normally sit down with the world's top creators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, and today is just a little bit different. That's right. For you folks that don't like change, well, I apologize in advance, but I think you're going to actually like this, so stay with me. And for those of you who might know it's coming, because I have done a couple of these episodes in the past, sometimes I call them micro shows, this one is a, is a slight twist even on a micro show, and that is I'm taking what I think are some of the best answers from the show The Daily Creative, which is a show on my YouTube channel, slash Chase Jarvis. If you're not subscribed there, I'm not sure what's happening, why you would do that to me. But in this case, uh, it's a show where I take called-in questions from all over the world, from all y'all creators and entrepreneurs, us here in this community, and I try and use uh, the little bit of wisdom that I've, I've captured over a lifetime of doing this stuff, and of course, harvesting all kinds of value, valuable info from uh, previous guests on the show to answer these questions, and I think this makes an exceptional episode. It's going to be a little bit shorter. Normally, you know, this is like a 60-minute show, 60 to 90-minute. This is going to be a little burst of energy, and the reason why I enjoy this format and these questions is because these are questions that we all have had. And the occupation of the asker, whether it's a designer, a photographer, an entrepreneur, it, it doesn't matter. We are all in this together. There's so many similarities. And you all can do the mapping for yourselves as to how this is, is the most pertinent. But unequivocally, these are questions that come up over and over. I feel like there's only about 100 questions to figuring out how to make a living and a life doing the things that you love. Um, so I'm going to, uh, I guess, just get out of the way. And before I do that, I'm going to just a quick word from our sponsor, Creative Live. Hey, real quick, before we get into the show, I want to let you know today's episode is sponsored by Creative Live. If there's one thing that's clear now more than ever before, that is refreshing your skills, being critical to the future of your employment, your ability to live the dreams that you seek in career and hobby and life to expand your business attract better clients, or move on to that next phase of your career. A recent survey reported that 52% of employees feel burned out at work. That's up almost 10% from just a year ago. Now, Creative Live is built to help you reach your goals. It's built with your goals in mind and specifically how to avoid burnout, pursue the things that light you up. So what else is exciting? Gone are the days for paying for every one of the classes individually. Now for 15 bucks a month, you can become a Creative Live subscriber and have access to 2,000 classes. That's where Pulitzer Prize winners, Emmy winners, Oscar winners, Grammy winners teach art, design, photography, video, music, business, and more. Check it out. Go to creativelive.com slash creator pass. That's all one word, creativelive.com slash creator pass. Now, let's get into the show. Hi, Chase. It's Anisha Collins of Anisha. Unashamed Imaging. My handle is at Unashamed Imaging, all one word. And my question is, what do you do when you really love teaching and you really do have a heart for helping people, yep. but the people that you've mentored turn around and disrespect you but I don't and I don't mean blatantly like you know um, on, on a shoe or in person but how they start treating you once they feel like they've gotten to a point where they don't need you anymore hmm. um, or they start 
just becoming distant, etc. I was curious what your advice is on that or if you've ever experienced that. All right, thanks. Bye. Right on. Anisha, awesome question. The summary is when you mentor someone and then they get good enough to not need you as a mentor. Um, this, is, this, this is a tough, tough answer. I think the question is an easy one. It might be tough to, to realize it and so I want to applaud you for the courage to ask it, but the answer is a tough answer and I'm going to give it to you straight though. Uh, people seek mentors to learn and when they have learned what they think they can learn from you, sometimes they're right or wrong in that assessment, their goal is to keep moving and to keep growing. And my, um, I would say two things to you. One is, A, I think it's amazing that you like to give back um, and that mentoring is a part of who you are and what you identify with and that you want to teach and give. Um, the second statement is more about, it's a question rather, it's what is the reason for your mentorship? Why are you giving it out freely? The hope, and this is just a very personal question, the hope is that you do it because you truly love it and not because you're trying to get something out of it. Now, what I mean by that is a lot of people, they will want to mentor someone exchange in exchange for teaching them stuff like you will do work. And I just want to make it crystal clear, like this goes for assistants or people who are mentored or volunteers or whatnot. That is the dynamic that is established culturally. And so to me, the onus is on you to not have a different expectation. And there's a very easy way of mitigating this, which is something that I think you should, you should think about in the answer to this question. And I, I want to reframe for just a second, remind you that the, the desire to help others is awesome, but I can hear just a little bit in there that you want to get something out of it in return, and whether it's free labor or just this, if it's just the satisfaction of seeing someone grow and move on, then needing their affection and care, and I understand you want to stay friends, but maybe that's a little bit in the dynamic that you're setting it up. I don't know. I don't know what you've done in the past and what kind of people you're mentoring, but that's just a hunch. But I think the, the overall picture that I'm trying to paint here is one that you can just realize that if you're really in it just to teach them that that's actually great that they go on and then they don't need you anymore or they're calling you less. To, be, to, to disrespect you, I understand that would be a problem. But it, I, I can hear just a little twinge in your voice there and you kind of shuffled around for a second. So not disrespect you to your face, but and it sounds like They've moved on emotionally, they've learned something from you and that's what they got what they came there for. And so what I would recommend to you is that you understand that, that when you set up this mentor relationship, that that is the expectation culturally. And if you want to frame a different expectation that they're going to work for you for X number of years or that they're always gonna be your friend or their, you know, whatever dynamic, that you need to expressly set that up differently. And now here's another lesson. Um, and this goes for any photographer or designer or whatever who wants to have an intern or an assistant. You should understand if that person, when they come into your organization, what is it that they are looking to get explicitly. And it's not just knowledge. Like, do you want to have that knowledge so you can go on and create a career of your own? Then that should tell you right away what this person's expectations are. And that when they do want to move on, it's not a surprise for you. 
If you don't want that to happen, then set up the dynamic of only looking for people who really they don't want the pressure of being the lead designer or the principal of the, the architecture firm or the photographer. They actually want to be in the background and they want to, to operate and support. And there are people, contrary to what you might think, there are people out, for, out there for whom that is what they want. They want to live in that, you know, in that in that environment. And to be crystal clear, like I have been in the position that you were in. I mentored some people. I mentored them. They, you know, blood, sweat, tears. They were paid, but not all that great. And then when it was time for them to, you know, fly the nest, so to speak, it was very mutual. It's like, okay, now is your time. Thank you. It was awesome. And I was able to stay really close with those people. I'm still close with those people today. And then there was a different part of my career. I was like, okay, cool. I'm done with having people come into my world, teach them a lot, and then you know, helping them go and launch their career. That was an interesting phase. Then I shifted into something different, which is I'm looking for employees, people who love this job, they're applying for a job, and then their goal is not necessarily in one, three, six months, two, three years to go fly the nest and become that thing. They want to come here and work in this role where they can master a different set of skills than I have and that are complementary to the business that I was building as a photographer. So. That was a very different dynamic, and in that case, I had people who worked for me for five, six, seven, and ultimately some for, I think it was 10 years. And that was just a very different dynamic. So, my prescriptive answer to you, um, uh, Anisha, is be intentional. And if you're setting up an intern or a mentorship relationship, know that the goal of that is to so they, they move on and, and aim to learn something different once they've got a particular piece of knowledge, two, three, four, or whatever from you. And if you want someone to stick around, then create a job and a profession and make sure that you screen for that in your hiring. Awesome question. I see photographers blow this all the time with, with assistant relationships. Same with designers. Some designers come in, they want to learn how a design shop moves, rolls, and then they go start their own. So to me, it's all about intention and setting up the dynamic really transparently from the get-go. Um, and if you're not a freelancer, and to tweak Anisha's question and make it um, really widely applicable, this also applies for anyone hiring at an FTV role. I think employment has changed. This 40 years plus a gold watch, you're gonna retire and sail off into the sunset working with the same company, it's fiction. It doesn't happen anymore, so let's not pretend that it does. And in this case, if you are, if this applies to you, I want you to go check out the book, The Alliance. It's around the future of work. It was written by um, a friend and, and mentor to me in many ways, Reid Hoffman, uh, founder of LinkedIn. He's a partner at Greylock, which is the firm that's invested in Creative Live. Super smart, brilliant guy, original PayPal, also on the board at Microsoft. Um, just an amazing guy. He wrote this book with, I think his co-writer was Ben Casnocha. It's called The Alliance. You should read it. And that's one of the things that we use here at Creative Live as a framework. Um, I know what all my executives want to be when they grow up, for example, and I help them achieve that. You should read the book. Um, all right, Anisha, awesome question. You're not alone. There's thousands, if not millions and millions of people who have that same question. On to the next one. Hi, Chase. Hi, Finn. This is Carl from HotCarlProductions.com. So my question for you is, I do music videos. I feel like I've done yep. pretty good at a local level. Yep. But I'm trying to break through to uh, bigger artists. And yeah, I've been messaging bands directly or trying to get a hold of managers. And you know, I think 
I'd like to think that um, my content is good enough. Like I can sure. do professional videos. Uh, what's that? What's the best way to break through? Is it just continued persistence? Is yeah. it opening the doors that one band? Sure. Um, I'm just wondering, like you know, is is it best to get a hold of a label or try to get a hold of a band's management? Um, Got it. Yeah. So I'll try to keep it short. Thank you guys so awesome. much. I really appreciate uh, you doing these, and I love watching it. Thank you. All right. Carl, thanks a lot for calling in, Carl. I'm going to do two things in answering your question. One, I'm going to talk uh, generally about how to swim upstream and get better clients. And then I'm also going to try and focus specifically on the details of in the music video industry who you should try and hang out with. I'm going to do my best to answer those uh, in, in a package here. The first half is generally how do you stream up, swim upstream with um, higher paying, higher quality clients. First of all, you have to be real about your work. I wrote a great blog post uh, called Comparing Yourself to Others is the Worst and Best Thing That You Can Do. It's the worst. You shouldn't compare yourself to other humans, but it's very okay to compare your work to the work of other people that you aspire to compete with or that you aspire to create the kinds of things that they're doing for, say, bigger level bands in your case. Or, But this is, again, applicable to any kind of creator entrepreneurial clients. If you want to build a, another startup and someone else has great investors, how they get them when you're with you know local John Q investor and you want to get with a blue chip investor or something. So in those cases, you should be very critical of how. You need to deconstruct what the clients that you want to have, what are they seeing in these other things that make them gravitate to that. And you have to make your work, first and foremost, agree with your internal self. You can't, if you, if you start chasing after an outside thing and it's not true to who you are, that's gonna smell terrible to everybody, anybody who knows anything about that is gonna be able to smell you out as a fake. So you have to continue to make work internally here that, that is resonates with you personally. First, not second, first. Second, you need to be very, very honest with what kind of work are those people hiring? Do you have what it takes? And then how do you get on their, their radar specifically? At the root of this question, or at the root of the answer to your question, is intention. If you just if you go to Mr. Right Now versus Mr. Right or Mrs. Right Now with instead of Mrs. Right, that's just like whoever's like nearby, and that works for a little bit. You're like, oh, there's a shop down the street, there's a designer across the street, there's this the investment company that's based here in Boulder, Colorado, or wherever you are. Versus being intentional, which there are 20 people who I would like to work with or for, these are the 20, these are the people inside of those companies that I need to know to be a part of their community, to be on their radar, if I'm gonna get that work. And you should be able to identify the difference between what you're doing right now and who you're talking to and what the other, the list of clients, your dream clients or your dream partners or your dream whatever, your target. These people are very specific these people are specific. You just don't know that you're, track, you're, you're, you're just in this smaller pool over here. You have to deconstruct honestly what these people are after and then be a part of their world. How do you direct message them? How do you attend the seminars that they're teaching? How do you go to conferences where they're speaking and meet them personally? How do you maybe do work for them or volunteer for them or 
um, just generally be, you know, the other 50%, that video that I referenced about once every other episode here in the Daily Creative. How do you other 50% these people, but be very intentional with what they, where do they run around, what are their email addresses, their Instagram handles. And that is the ticket from shifting gears from what you're doing now to higher priced clients. Demonstrate that you can crush this, make a portfolio that looks like the things that they're hiring, and then know these people specifically, identify them as humans, and go get them. Now, that's the generally how you swim upstream in the world of chasing you know, higher end clients. Um, also, yeah, deconstruct what they look for in photographers or designers or entrepreneurs. Like, profile the people that they have partnered with, what do they look like, and how are you like or not like them. Don't change who you are in here, but if there's some things that you can do to more crisply align with the dream clients that you have over here, then by all means, feel free. Um, with respect to the music video industry and should you identify yourselves closely with labels, with bands, or with um, management, yes is the answer. This is, this is not an or. This is like, you need to be so well known amongst the crew of people that you want. I don't know why I'm doing this over here. This is like the list of people, or I don't know. But you have to be so well known, you have to be on their radar. And in order to be on their radar, you have to do work that, that gets their attention. So master your craft, do that stuff, and it's not an or. You need to be, because you don't know how this happens. You don't know, it's, it's, it's about being in the vicinity at the right place at the right time with the right product. So you've got to make the product first, then you have to do what you can to get in this community and be a regular there. The first time it's going to be random. The person that made the, that you made the music video for in your town for your the local hip hop group, they're going to randomly get a job managing a bigger act. And if you kicked ass for them, that's the best thing to do is just make kick ass work. But you're not going to really know how that first thing happens, but it's going to. And when it does, you're there. You've thought about all this intentionally, and then you're a part of this community, and then you need to really like surround, like create a surround sound over there. You're just everywhere. You know, that's, I don't remember who said that. Somebody really smart, like, be so good they can't ignore you. Um, that's in part with craft, but you got to be in their field of view. Like if I know you're awesome, but you're over here and there are 10 people who could do the job are right here, like how am I going to hire you? I can't see you. So you got to be seen. And you've seen all the other data creators where I'm prescriptive about that. So hopefully that's some specific music industry advice. It's not, it's not this or this. It's yes, all of this. And I know that sounds daunting, but if you're you right now and you're going, oh my God, that sounds impossible, then quit. Because it is virtually impossible. But when I say impossible, there's a certain subset of people who are listening to this right now who, for whom that sounds awesome because you're willing to put in the work and you realize that this barrier that I'm throwing down is the barrier that's gonna keep everybody else out who doesn't want it as much as you do. All right, real quick, hey, before you go, if you know anything about me or my work, you know how deeply I believe in the power of creativity. It's so core for a successful, fulfilling life. I mean. That life cannot be built by accident, right? That's only an accumulation of intentions and daily choices and actions and the stories we tell ourselves about what's possible with this one precious life. Well, I want you to know that I wrote a book specifically about this. And if you enjoy the show and you don't yet have the book, I think 
uh, I think you ought to because I think it's an incredible companion to all the work, the 10 years we put into making this show. The book is called Creative Calling. You can get it, of course, at, at Amazon or, or your local bookshop or anywhere books are sold or at creativecalling.com. Uh, but there is a creative process I outline in the book, a series of daily habits. It's very, very actionable. And again, wherever you are on your path, whether you're just starting out or you're a veteran, um, if I don't, if that book doesn't add value to your life, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of five-star reviews on Amazon. So if that book doesn't uh, add value to your life, then you can message me personally, and I will, I will get to your 15 bucks back for the hardback edition. Uh, I just want you to know that if if you're new here or you haven't checked out the book, please do and let me know what you think. All right, thanks again, and we'll see you uh, the next episode. <laughs>